Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Hour with Danny Burke on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Happy Friday, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into another edition of Rush Hour presented by Bet Rivers. I'm Danny Burke, your host, and per usual, we're broadcasting live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook right here in Des Plaines, Illinois, at the Rivers Casino. So we're with you for the next 60 minutes. Let me tell you what we got dialed up throughout the show. 15 minutes from now, we're going to take it out to Philadelphia. Our guy Ryan Rothstein, host of the Philly City Cast, has plenty of thoughts in regards to the Sixers taking on the Raptors in that series that seems to be very contentious when you look at the series price and who you ask and what side they're going to be betting on. So we'll see if Ryan is riding with his team or if he doesn't have that much faith in him and we'll get the first game of the series thoughts with ryan plus the phillies do play tonight so we'll talk a little baseball with ryan then 30 minutes from now we're going to go to the west coast jeff parles a numbers game producer and host of beeson's bet center will not only talk about the playing games tonight but i know he's got some thoughts in major league baseball so we'll hit both with jeff End of the show. Speaking of baseball, I do want to preview the Cubs and the White Sox matchups this evening. Chicago White Sox being have an interesting one against the Tampa Bay Rays after the Rays just had a terrible series against the lowly A's. And then conversely with the Cubs, well, they're coming off a nice win versus the Rockies. Can they replicate that tonight with Stroman taking the bump? So, again, a lot to get to. And to begin the show, well, I do want to start off talking about these playing games. So I know I've talked about it a lot as at this point, but in case anybody isn't aware, you're just wondering why we're sweating these out so hard on this show. Talked about it also on the Chicago City Cast a lot, but we are heavily involved in the results of the two playing games tonight. So just for a quick refresher, I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but at the beginning of the week, we took several bets regarding the playing game tournaments and the two that were to reach or miss the playoffs involved with Atlanta to make the playoffs at plus 240 and then the Clippers to miss the playoffs at plus 380. And then alongside that, we also did the exact bets. We bet the four teams to come out of the playing game tournament to make the postseason. One combination consisted of the Brooklyn Nets, the Atlanta Hawks, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the New Orleans Pelicans at a huge payout of 25 to 1. The other exacta consisted of the, uh, excuse me, the Nets, the Hawks, the T-Wolves, and then the Clippers at plus 470. So I was kind of thinking, ah, should I hedge? How can I hedge? There are a lot of different formulas you could kind of concoct and come up with for avenues to still make money, to hedge, etc. And as I'm thinking of all this, well, then everything came to a halt. And the reason it came to a halt, if you're unaware, is because there is a huge shift for the later game tonight being the Pelicans and the Clippers with the news that Paul George will not I repeat will not be playing in this game he is in health and safety protocols at the absolute worst time and that is of course a huge absence for this Clippers team so this spread was at four for this game 
Now you look at it, New Orleans is about a point favorite, so virtually it's a pick em right now. The money line has the Pelicans at Bet Rivers, laying minus 114, and the Clippers are minus 106. But again, the spread is a point each way. I mean, the Pelicans laying a point, you're taking it with the Clippers if you want, but at that point, you know, obviously just go with the money line depending on which side you want to choose. So look, it's probably smart, but it comes down to what you want to do if you want to hedge or not. I mean, if you're in the same boat as me with the Hawks at plus 240 and with the exacta prices, you could obviously bet on the Cleveland Cavaliers and try to get a little bit of plus money. That one's almost coming down to a pick right now. So you could do that. You could also sweat that out and then look now that it's a pick with the Pelicans and Clippers and try to bet back on the Clippers. Again, it depends if you had all the bets that I did, but ultimately what I'm going to do I'm just going to let it ride out, so to speak, or more so at least. I'm going to watch and wait to see the result of this Hawks and Cavaliers game. Hey, maybe, you know, the Hawks aren't playing that great, but the line isn't too out of control, and then I could look to live bet Cleveland and kind of hedge out in that sense. That may be one route I will take, or again, I'll wait to see that result and then look to approach it from that standpoint going after the Pelicans and Clippers game because the dynamic completely alters now with the absence of Paul George. But look, if the Hawks win and the Pelicans win, we get plus 30.2 units based on the bets we made. Would be absolutely incredible. And then if the Hawks win and the Clippers win, we'd still net plus 5.1 units, assuming that you put a standard unit on each of these bets. The Cavs won and the Pelicans won, we'd get plus 0.8. Obviously, the killer would be if the Cavs won and the Clippers won, then we would lose in this theoretical or hypothetical situation. Assuming you put a unit on each, we'd lose four units. So that's where you would look to hedge. And you could potentially do that, of course, when it comes to the later game, depending on the result of the first one. But I'm going to be sweating it out. I'm going to let it ride because I do like the Hawks in this matchup. Now, if we get into it a little bit more, so the reason why I like the Hawks in this game It's just the experience, I think, is going to bode very well for Atlanta. They have the postseason experience from last year, and I've hammered this a few times this week, but really I just think this Atlanta team is built for this type of game, for these single elimination situations where you got a lot of lethal scores on your squad. You got a killer at the end of games like Trey Young. And when you look at the Cavs, again, look, you know, they're a fun team. They're going to be great next year, but they are an experience and they're banged up. And it looks like Jared Allen... I'm going to assume he's probably playing. He's going to go through warm-ups and see, but let's be honest. He's probably going to go out there and play. Now, if you recall, he broke his left middle finger on March 6th. So even if he is playing, you got to assume he's not going to be 100%. So that still will be impactful, whether it's good or bad. Well, we'll have to wait and see. But I still give the advantage to the Hawks in this game, and that's why I'm a little bit more comfortable just letting this one kind of ride out. And if it's a back-and-forth effort, then maybe I'll decide if I want to hedge throughout the game. But if you haven't gotten involved in anything yet, I do like the side of Atlanta a tad bit more than I do with Cleveland. So that's the way I'd be looking to approach this matchup. And also the Hawks led the season series against the Cavs 3-1. to So they have had their number. Trey Young has played very well in these games. We'll see if they can keep doing that tonight. That's what we're hoping for against the Cleveland Cavaliers. So that's kind of how I'm approaching it with that first game. And then really quick, just a Brief preview now of the Pelicans and Clippers. Of course, remember, this game was four. Then Paul George was out, and now you're seeing it at a pick'em. The season series, actually, the Pelicans had the stronghold over the Clippers. They won three out of four games during the season against each other. Did the Pelicans have the upper hand? But, you know, Paul George was in three out of four of those games, and the Pelicans still beat him in two out of those three games. So now you got Paul George out. Obviously, that takes a huge offensive piece 
away from this Clippers team that was struggling immensely on the offensive side to begin with. And then with Paul George back in the mix, well, then they were really desperately relying on him. They had a big lead against the Timberwolves, and they couldn't make their shots at the end. Who's going to make their shots for them now when they don't even have Paul George? Yeah, Batum can sit in the corner. Cool, he'll give you a few threes. Reggie Jackson can drop 25-plus. But aside from that, where are you going to get your contributions? Can Morris do enough? I don't know, man. I just think at this point the Pelicans have more scores than the Clippers do. Yes, Los Angeles has a defensive advantage, but with PG out of the game, that changes things big time. And I do like the Pelicans now in this game. But look, there has been the fallen star theory, right, where you get one of your big-name guys out and the team still performs very well. Yeah, you could attribute that during the course of a regular season, but in an elimination-style game, it's a little different atmosphere regarding that. So I do think the Pelicans, of course, have the advantage now, and I would lean toward them. Obviously, I'm rooting for them. We'll see what happens in that game. I'm probably going to stay away, and obviously we'll see what the result of the first game is because of all the bets we have already made. Let me give you a couple angles that you can approach, so if you want to look in terms of the props department. I really only circled out one guy, and that's Trey Young. I was looking at the sample size of the past games between the Hawks and between the Cavs, and Trey Young naturally stood out, as he typically does in terms of how he stuffed his stat sheet. And you can look at his points prop, and 30.5 is the number at Bet Rivers. A little bit of juice on the over, minus 120. Now he's averaging about 28.5 points per game this season. And even though it's high at 30.5, the reason it caught my attention is because specifically against Cleveland, he's averaging 32.5 points per game against the Cavs. Now in 76 games this season, he has only gone over 30.5 in 28 of those games. But out of four versus Cleveland, he's gone over it in two out of the four games. Dropped 24 points one game, 35 another, 41 the third time, and then most recently, 30 points. Now looking at Trey Young's shot selection, 42% of his shots come from mid-range, 36% come from beyond the arc. He's connecting on 47% from mid-range, very solid, and then 39% from three. Now, the Cavs are a fairly solid defensive squad. They rank ninth defending mid-range. Opponents making a little bit over 41%. And then they rank 14th from beyond the arc. Opponents connecting on about 36%. So I'm looking at that, but then I also scroll down and I see his three-point field goals prop at three and a half. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of intriguing because the overs plus money, plus 125. And against Cleveland, he's averaging three and a half three-point field goals made on eight and a half attempts. And he's gone over three and a half threes against the Cavs in three out of four games. Knocked down five of 12 one game, four, seven, another, and four, nine in the most recent one. And then in the very first game, went, went a six. So I don't hate that idea if you want to go scoring with Trey Young to look over three and a half three-point field goals made. But again, that's asking a lot, right? Then again, I was scrolling more so with Trey Young, and I'm looking. I'm like, wow, to record a double-double, the yes is an overwhelming favorite, minus 265. The no's plus 190. I was intrigued in the no at plus 190, but he's actually gotten a double-double in 43 out of 76 games this season. But against Cleveland, he's only done it once because you need him to get into double-digit assists, right? So then I'm thinking, all right, well, where's his assist prop at compared to him getting a double-double because he would just need 10 assists, and you're obviously going to assume he's going to get double-digit points. So the no for the double-double is plus 190, or you could bet his assists under 11 and a half at minus 136, you get the added security of two more assists that he can get. And that's what I ended up playing because he's only gotten more than 11 and a half assists in 16 out of 76 games this season. He's also fallen right on 11 uh, assists, excuse me, in 15 games. And look, 
I think that's the route to take. Of course, you could look for the bigger payout for him to not record a double-double, but I also just don't think, I mean, 11 and a half is pretty high, right? So I think he stays under that. He's got to take control at the end of these elimination-style games, and he's got to take over, be the man instead of dishing it out. So I'm playing for my prop, Trey Young, under 11 and a half assists. We'll revisit these props a little bit later in the show, but let's talk more hoops with Ryan Rosti, joining us next year on Russia. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of city casts that are designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. And you've got these city casts available in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, Los Angeles, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington, D.C. So make sure you subscribe to your local city cast wherever you get your podcasts available and you get set up multiple episodes a week. Great local sports betting content. Okay, welcome back to the show. It is Rush Hour here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Danny Burke, your host, live in the Windy City, but we take it out to the east side of things here in the United States. Philadelphia to be exact. Ryan Rothstein is live and joining us to prepare us for his team series against the Toronto Raptors. Ryan, look, ah, your Sixers have been, they've been making me pull my hair out. I can only imagine what they've been doing to you. I mean, I bet them a couple times throughout the course of the regular season and it hasn't really gone too well. And while well, I'm sitting on an eight to one ticket for them to win the Eastern Conference Finals, and they get a really tough draw here against Toronto. Now you look at the series price, Toronto's plus 150. Your Sixers are minus 186 at Bet Rivers. Tell us how you're looking to approach any series bets and just how these two teams match up against each other. Yeah, this is uh, certainly the worst case scenario as far as draw. There's no chance anyone in that 76ers locker room or organization was saying, yes, please, we really want the Toronto Raptors. It's just, <laughs> uh, it's just a brutal matchup. They have athleticism and length. They're able to switch on every screen. They're able to defend the perimeter. They're excellent in transition offensively. And that is an area, uh, the 76ers defensively, they've been absolutely brutal. So yeah, this is a tough matchup. And now this Toronto Raptors team, they've sort of become a, uh, a popular underdog pick uh, in the betting yeah. market, whether it's, you know, series market prices uh, to win in six or seven, whatever it may be. Uh, so man, I, listen, I have this series going seven. Uh, and I said this with Scott Seidenberg on the look ahead last night. I'll say it to you, Danny, anyone, including myself, that makes a prediction that a series is going seven games typically is not that confident uh, about the series. <laughs> I think it's going to be a heavyweight bout 12 rounder back and forth. Uh, and I think the 76ers home floor is going to end up saving them in a long series. Now, also something I want to ask you about with this Philly team that, I mean, I, and I've seen you've been a little critical of it, and I'm sure rightfully so. You know, tell me your thoughts on Doc Rivers, right? I, I feel like uh, the Philly fans haven't been too pleased with him as of late, and we know, yes, he's gotten the championship with the Celtics, but other times in the postseason as of late, 
uh, hasn't been that trustworthy, right? I feel like the adjustments haven't been there, and he seems like he's just like, it's my way or the highway, and you've seen that with some players he chooses to play over others as of, at the end of the season. Yeah, he has been public enemy number one. I mean, Danny, we've been searching. We've posted the job online. We've been searching here in <laughs> Philadelphia for someone to replace Ben Simmons, uh, someone that the city of Philadelphia can hate on. And I think uh, Glenn Rivers is the guy for that job. He has just been a nightmare. He's just he's been condescending to the media, uh, talking down to the media when they're just asking questions. They're just doing their job. And he's saying, let me slow this down for you so you can finally understand. I've been around a long time. Trust that. OK, Doc, you've been around a long time. No one has blown more 3-1 series in the playoffs than you, sir. You're, you're historically known for collapsing in pressure-filled moments in fourth quarter games, particularly playoff games. So he's uh, he's someone that has me extremely nervous. One of the main reasons on top of that list as to why the 76ers could potentially lose this series. They have no offensive identity, right? And, and that falls on Doc. Like he has failed to really get creative and integrate James Harden properly. You know, besides the roster flaws, he's a very reactive type of coach when it comes to adjustments. And those are all recipes for failure, uh, as we've seen in his recent track record. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, the criticism is rightfully there, as I was saying, and as you have tweeted out plenty of times, and that could be <laughs> a detriment to what is maybe a short postseason for the Sixers. But again, I'll be rooting for you. I'm hoping they come through. Uh, really quick, too, before we move on to the spread for Game 1, Ryan, tell me about the impact of Matisse Thibel and his unavailability when it comes to playing at Toronto. How big of an impact is that going to be? It's a big impact. Uh, it's something that cannot be glossed over. It cannot be understated. Uh, and, and Danny Green spoke about this on his podcast maybe a week ago, uh, give or take a couple of days. But, you know, he said, listen, I was going up to Matisse a couple of weeks ago, about a month ago, saying, hey, man, uh, you might want to get this shot. You might want to you know, figure things out if we end up uh, with Toronto in the first round. And Matisse was sort of saying to him, nah, I'll be fine. And at that point, it, it seemed unlikely the 76ers and the Raptors were going to link up in round one. Well, here we are. Uh, and, and this is a guy that is an elite defender, uh, most likely going to find himself on, on first team all NBA on, on the defensive side. And uh, Sixers don't have many other guys that can do what Matisse Thibel does, but Matisse Thibel can't hit the Atlantic Ocean with a rock, Danny, offensively. <laughs> and this team, one of their biggest issues is spacing and shooting the three. So it looks like Danny Green's going to be the starter, both for games one and two, when Matisse Thibel is available. And then when he isn't for games three and four, it looks like Danny Green is still going to get the starting nod. There's no one on that bench then that Doc can confidently turn to uh, to substitute into this into the game, particularly backup center for Joel Embiid. So that's an impact, and hopefully the 76ers are able to manage it. But we'll find out. Yeah, and so maybe if you're looking to back the Sixers on a game-to-game -game basis, you could probably think betting them when they're at home would be the better time to do so. And right now, with that first home game and first game of the series, Ryan, at Bet Rivers, your Sixers laying four in the hook, minus 177 on the money line. This total's at about 216. Anything that you got involved with for this game or maybe you're waiting for an in-game type of spot, how are you looking to bet it? I'm not betting it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not betting it. This is... This is game one, and uh, I, I need to see 
I need to see some action before I'm confidently picking a side. And listen, I, I'm I'm not going to bet against my 76ers here. So I'm either playing the 76ers throughout this series, game to game, or I'm going to look at player props. And I do have some some player props I'll get to in a second. But uh, if I take my bias and how close I am to the situation out of it, I'd probably follow the sharp action here and and say the Toronto Raptors with the points is a great play because I expect Nick Nurse to get creative and try and deliver a knockout blow early that maybe the 76ers aren't expecting, whether it's matchup zone, two, three zone, uh, a different starting lineup, whatever it may be. I do expect Nick Nurse to be proactive and then Doc to be, as we talked about, Danny, reactive. Uh, So I'm staying away from the spread. I love Siakam and his point total, uh, 23 and a half at Bet Rivers, priced at plus 100. He averaged over 30 points per game against the 76ers. Wow. He had games of 28, 26, 37. Uh, he's been a nightmare for Philadelphia, and I expect that trend to continue. Wow. All right. Yeah, that's a good look. Great notes. Siakam over 23 and a half points, and they're giving you even money. Not too shabby. If you're looking to trust Siakam to dominate the Sixers once again. Well, Ryan, I mean, like I said, I'll be sweating out the Sixers with this. So hopefully your boys can come through for us. And also another Philly squad that I took some, uh, I guess you could just say a uh, not a confidence in the Phillies. I bet them to make the postseason heading into this Major League Baseball campaign of 2022. They've looked pretty decent thus far tonight. They're taking on the Marlins. The market actually looks like they're respecting Miami and Lopez taking the bump for the Marlins tonight. They're up to minus 130. Again, Philly plus 112. Short total, seven in the hook. Did you get involved with this game tonight on the diamond? Yeah, I I like the under. I like the under seven and a half. Um, The Phillies have not been scoring a lot of runs. Uh, They look great to start the season. They got out to a 2-0 start, uh, but now they're losers of three straight, four of their last five. And the one thing that everyone has been talking about, both locally and just in the national media, when talking about the, this Phillies team, Danny, as you know, uh, is Castellanos and Schwarber and this lineup and how dangerous they can be offensively. Well, it's April. Uh, it's not. It's not necessarily hitting season, as Charlie Manuel would say. So the bats have been quiet. There's been some mistakes in the field, but I expect a you know a three to two, four to one type of ball game here down in Miami, low scoring, and I think the under should come through. All righty, Ryan Rostian, folks, you can follow him on Twitter, at Wise Ryan. Make sure you check out the Philly City cast several episodes a week. He's got you hooked up on all sports and betting with Philadelphia. Ryan, thanks as always for making some time, my man. Enjoy your weekend and the games. Thanks, Danny. Enjoy. You got it. I always love talking with Ryan, especially when we're looking to get a Philly perspective, and it's a big series with the Raptors and the Sixers. And Ryan's right. I mean, look, he did a great job being objective because, as he mentioned, I mean, it seems like a lot of the sharper attention is taking the plus money with the Raptors on the series price. Toronto's done very well against the Sixers this season, and I really like that angle on the prop that Ryan was discussing. Siakam over 23.5 points, averaging over 30 points per game against the Sixers this year. Good note from our guy, Ryan Rossi. All righty, coming up next, we'll keep the conversation with basketball and baseball. Jeff Parles will be joining us, so stick around. More action throughout the hardwood and the diamond right here on Rush Hour. This is Rush Hour on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Yeah. 
the NFL Draft is out in Las Vegas, and Beeson will have extensive coverage, which includes mock drafts from Matt Humans. Michael Lombardi, a former NFL GM, will give his draft analysis. Beeson host Mike Pritchard, who was a first-round pick, and former quarterback Sean King will also give you insight on what you can bet. Plus, legendary sports broadcaster and voice of the Las Vegas Raiders, Brent Musburger, will give his draft best bets in our NFL Draft Betting Guide. So make sure you sign up today to get full access to VEASAN through the NFL Draft for only $19, and you can get a hold of that at VEASAN.com spring. That's V-S-I-N.com spring. Okay, back at it. The show is Rush Hour. The network is VEASAN. I'm Danny Burke, your host, live here at Bat River Sportsbook in Desplaines, Illinois, ready for all of this playing game action tonight and then the start of the NBA postseason tomorrow and beyond. And to help us handicap that, we bring along Jeff Parles, who you can follow on the tweets at Jeff Parles. You can catch him hosting Bet Center here on VEASAN and producing a numbers game every morning with Gil Alexander. Jeff, my man, always a pleasure to have you on. Last we were talking, it was about college hoops, but now we take it professionally. Let's begin with this Atlanta and Cleveland game, my man. We see the Hawks laying about a point and a half. Totals at 223. Looks like Jared Allen is going to play. What his impact is going to be, well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. But how have you been handicapping this game, or are you maybe going to wait for an end game? Because it seems like it's going to be a tough one. Danny, always a pleasure to be with you, buddy. Uh, this is a pretty tough handicap for me because I expected this game to open pick. And then with the news that Allen was going to play, that maybe people would bite at it with Cleveland and push it to Cleveland minus one. Obviously, it opened two and a half, three. Now you're seeing it. Uh, that's the first one and a half that I've heard or seen, Danny, the one that you just said there at Bed Rivers. So I, I would, the only way I would play this free flop would be money lining the Hawk if it's minus 125 or shorter. That would be the way I would play it pre-flop. I'm going to wait in-game here. I need to see what Cleveland looks like because, Danny, when when, when Allen and Mobley were both healthy, Cleveland was a top four, top five in the East this year. They really fell off when Allen got hurt with the finger injury that he's still dealing with. So this is a really difficult game for me. I'm going to be staying off of this uh, and, and waiting for an in-game opportunity one way or the other. Because we saw Cleveland, of course, in the 7-8 game against Brooklyn. They get down 20. They lose by 6. They cover every single number that was essentially available throughout that game. The Hawks covered basically every number that was available against the Hornets in the uh, in the elimination game two nights ago. So this is, a, this is a tough handicap. I do think the Hawks do find a way and win. And they will give Miami a little bit of a hard time in the first round. And you know what? Even if Cleveland wins tonight, I wouldn't be shocked if the Cavs give Miami a little bit of a fight in that 1-8 series. Yeah, look, it's a, it's, a, it's a stacked Eastern Conference, which as of late we haven't really been accustomed to, but this year obviously has been so wonky and a lot of tough teams, I guess, you know, kind of uh, barring the Bulls and what they've done against top teams as of this point. But yeah, I mean, we saw the Hawks do this last season, Jeff, when they got into the postseason, and look, they made it farther than most people expected, and I'm with you. I give them the slight edge tonight, but can see waiting for the in-game because I'm sure it'll be going back and forth. We'll see what kind of presence Allen does bring to the court. 
Now, the other game tonight with a more significant absence or injury that affected this game, of course, was Paul George, and he's not going to be in. He's in the NBA's health and safety protocols. This spread was at four, and now, Jeff, we're seeing this virtually at a pick'em. Slight edge on the juice toward the Pelicans, minus 114 on the money line. What did that change for you in terms of betting this game, knowing that Paul George was not going to be involved? Well, before Paul George got ruled out, I was fully prepared to bet the Pelicans tonight. Now, at a pick, or the Orleans is favored in some spots, like you said, I don't think this is bettable at this current number. Keep in mind here, Danny, we can't go totally crazy here because the Clippers didn't have Paul George for a good right. chunk of this season. So we know they can play without him. They're obviously significantly better with him in the lineup. And, uh, of course, Danny, uh, you got to imagine the Clippers, the Clippers are really kicking themselves for, uh, for, for, uh, for, for blowing that game the last seven minutes against Minnesota the other night. But this is really, it's really unbettable at this point. This is another one. You, you probably will have some good in-game opportunities in both games tonight if you want it. Either way, if, if the Pelicans get out to a big lead and you get the Clippers get a whole bunch of points at home, great. Clippers get out to a lead, and you get New Orleans getting a bunch of points. Great. I, I see this game probably falling in that four-point range like the number was before Paul George was ruled out anyway. So uh, I, I would lean – if you made me better right now, I probably would lean to New Orleans and lay the money line with the, with the Pels. But uh, it, it, this is very tough with, with the number right now. And I think the move was proper. Four, anywhere between four and six points made sense for Paul George not being in this game. So I think the move was proper. All right, Jeff, well, I know you grew up on the East Coast of our country, so you grew up a Nets fan in your neck of the woods. And look, they have a very fascinating matchup against the Boston Celtics. And in terms of, you know, what side people are betting, it, it seems really contentious here because you see the Celtics minus 148, Brooklyn plus 120. And I get it. Look, Boston had a great end to the season. They have the top defense in the league. The Nets don't have that much depth, and defensively, they're a train wreck. But when you got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, we know anything can happen. At least, Jeff, the way I was looking at it, and I'm not betting it probably, but I was thinking, well, whoever ends up being plus money would be the side I would bet, if anything. But I, because, again, I, I don't want to lay minus 150 with Boston. I'm just not that high on them, despite what they've done. What's been your philosophy for this specific series? So, Danny, I really like the Celtics in game one. I expect a flat performance from Brooklyn. Now, I understand you may be, you may be thinking, wait a second, it's regular rest. They didn't go Tuesday to Sunday. Why, why do you think that? I, I just, that crowd is going to be on fire in Boston. Just everything that has gone into it again, full, full boats again now in, in these arenas now for over a year. Uh, the obviously storyline and narratives with Kyrie and, and the Celtics. I, I think that the building just going to be electric uh, uh, up in Boston on Sunday afternoon. So I like the Celtics in game one, but then I would actually come consider coming back with Brooklyn for the series after game one. Now, of course, this plan gets blown up if Brooklyn wins game one. And then all of a sudden come <laughs> out of luck if that happens. But I would, I would be in the camp, Danny, that, and I've said, I said this on, uh, on the city, the New York city cast with Will Hill yesterday, as odd as this may seem, this was a, this series, a referendum on Jason Tatum more than anyone. Because if Jason Tatum is this true top 10 superstar, and a lot of people think he is at this point, Boston with home court, with the significantly better roster as a whole, 
They beat Brooklyn despite how great Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are. So it, it, this is a big series for Tatum. I think he's got a lot of pressure on him to perform and get Boston through this series. I'm not betting the series pre-flop. I'm more than likely going to lay the points with the Celtics on Sunday, though, Danny. I, I just want to see if I can get a flat four or maybe even the public comes in, hammers Brooklyn down to three and a half. Uh, but that's really the way I'm going to look at it. Celtics in game one is what I'm going to be looking for and probably betting Brooklyn after they're down 1-0 at a bigger price. Completely agree with your thought process on Tatum, and I like that angle, too. I mean, considering I was looking at the plus money on the series anyways, you're right. If you think Boston comes out hot, wait for the better number on Brooklyn. Definitely going to be subscribing to that philosophy as well. Uh, Jeff, I know you got one play in baseball tonight. Let's hit that really quick before we got to get you out of here. Tell us about Seattle and Houston this evening. The Astros, a slight favorite, minus 124 on the road. This total, we're seeing eight in the hook. Yeah, I don't really love either of these pitchers, Danny, but I, I like Odorizzi a little bit more uh, tonight. So I'm going to lean towards the Strohs. If you want to take Houston in the first five, I don't have a problem with that. It is the home opener for the Mariners, a team that uh, a really a good finish to the road trip that really looked like it could have got ugly. They at least win the final game on the south side uh, yesterday in the wackadoo wins, as you know, Danny, uh, there in Chicago yesterday. But I, I, I lean to the Astros in this game. Uh, again, a tough baseball card on a Friday, and uh, I, I'll lean towards Houston. And, and, and Danny, I'll bring this up real quickly because I know we're running, running, running short on time. Your, your Cubs are in Colorado, and we have a 10 for a total at Coors Field. <laughs> I know this is, this is completely square, and the pitchers are good tonight with Stroman and Marquez, but you're going to give me a 10 at Coors Field. You're kind of baiting me to at least put a little small amount on the over tonight. Uh, there. Are you doing the Coors cocktail? No, nah, the, co the, co the cocktail's <laughs> retired, man. The Coors cocktail's retired. Uh, it, it, it's retired, at least at least for now. But uh, I, 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 I'm probably going to end up betting over 10 in, in Cubs-Rockies. After last night, we had an 11 that couldn't quite get there yeah. because everyone kept leaving runners on base that entire game oh. in Denver. You know, I took a little piece of the Rockies. He just stranded so many guys out there. So I, I think you're right. It might be a little bit of an overreaction while you're seeing that short total. But Jeff, my man, always appreciate the insight. Best of luck with all your plays and enjoy your weekend, my man. Thanks, Danny. Always a pleasure to be with you. You got it. Make sure you follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Farles. Catch him hosting VSync's Bad Center and producing a numbers game right here on VSync. Coming next, we'll talk more baseball and recap my prop bet in the playing game coming next. The NBA playoffs start this weekend, and right now, Bet Rivers has an incredible offer for you. You can place a wager of $25 or more on any team to win the NBA Finals, and then you'll receive a $5 free bet for every playoff series they win. Can Milwaukee repeat? Does Golden State have another title run in them? Well, you make the call and get a $5 free bet when your team wins a series. Go to BetRivers.com to see the current odds and to get your free bets. Terms and conditions do apply, but once again, check it out at BetRivers.com or on the BetRivers Sportsbook app. 
Okay, final segment on this Friday evening. Thank you for being with us. I'm Danny Burke, your host. You can follow me on the tweets at Danny Burke 5 Big thanks to Jeff Parles for hopping on, talking hoops and baseball. And also, shout out to Ryan Rostin, giving us his thoughts on the Sixers-Raptors matchup and the Phillies and Marlins game this evening. We'll get back to basketball momentarily, but I did want to spend a few moments talking about the two Chicago baseball teams who are playing tonight beginning out in the Mile High City. The Cubs getting a nice dub last night against the Rockies. Look, you know, I'm looking like the idiot here. I ended up taking the Rockies last second, and, you know, they could take advantage of runners in scoring position. Didn't trust Steele too much, but the dude pitched like a stud in the hitter's ballpark, so shout out to him, and I was off on that game. This one is a tad bit more intriguing because of this pitching matchup. Now, really quick, let me set the stage in terms of this market because Colorado opened about minus 128 at Bet Rivers, Colorado, or excuse me, then Chicago, plus 110. The Cubs getting a little bit of love on the market once again. Plus 104 is currently where they are. Now you see the Rockies, minus 122. And like Jeff Parles was mentioning last segment, shorter total right now at 10. All right, so the Cubs did win last night, 5-2. to two. But look at Marcus Stroman and Marquez and their pitching stats now because this kind of changes everything because Stroman, obviously, in his second start with the Cubbies, right, in his first one against Milwaukee, I was at that game, and it was awesome and still salty that Ross took him out so early and then the bullpen blew it, but, hey, it is what it is. In that game against Milwaukee, went five innings pitched, allowed just two hits, one earned run, three Ks, and three walks. Against Colorado last year, Stroman actually did very, very well, 2-0, 14 innings pitched, allowed six hits in just one earned run, tallied eight strikeouts. Rockies had a batting average of 128 against Stroman. One game was at home, and one game was also at Coors Field. So Stroman did very well against the Rockies. Now, Herman Marquez tonight, look, you know, the past couple years, not counting this past year, but the couple before that, he was almost a guy you would look to fade. But then he just really flipped the switch and was really dominant last year, but especially at home. Now, overall last season, he was 12-11, 4.40 ERA, an XFIP of 3.64, and a whip of 1.27. So not bad, not bad at all. But if you look deeper into the splits and look at home, he had an ERA of 3.67, a WOBA of 278, and an XFIP of 3.58. And again, that's so weird because pitching at Coors Field typically hurts your stats as a pitcher, and considering that that's your home field and you're pitching there a lot, but he did better at home than he did on the road. Now, against the Cubs last year, he had a really tough outing at the friendly confines, only pitched three innings, gave up seven hits and five earned runs, so the Cubbies did have his number. I get it. Things have changed, different outlooks and lineups for each team. But what I'm telling you here is that the market is still giving a little bit of love to the Cubbies in this spot, and you could get them right now, plus 104. Uh, I, I really didn't look into the lineups too much tonight, but look, I, I really could understand either side in this spot because the Rockies did start off hot. They had the they had the opportunities yesterday. Again, they just couldn't capitalize with the runners in scoring position and the Cubs bullpen. I don't know if they're going to be able to hold up like they did last evening. So I maybe would gravitate toward the Rockies. Again, I'm going to stay away from it. Maybe look to what Jeff was talking about, the shorter total, and I'm saying shorter being relative to what it usually is at Coors Field. I get you got two strong pitchers, but hey, maybe 10 is short. But ultimately, I'll be staying away, but did just want to tee up that game for you. So I'll be rooting for the Cubs tonight from the fan perspective, nothing involved from the betting perspective.
Let's move on, though, looking at the south side action this evening. The White Sox get the host of Tampa Bay Rays this weekend, and the first game begins tonight. Actually, first pitch in about 20 minutes or so, so if you want to get involved, get your bets locked down sooner rather than later. Uh, Chicago opened as high and maybe a little bit too high, a little overzealous on the White Sox. Minus 147 at Bat Rivers. Tampa Bay plus 128, total open 8.5. Right now you see the total down to 8. You see the money line with the White Sox now minus 132, and the Rays are catching plus 114. So the White Sox lost 5-1 to one yesterday in a day game versus the Mariners. Tampa Bay is coming off a brutal series against the Oakland A's. They lost three out of four games against a team that is supposed to, on paper, be tanking. But nope, the A's took care of business against the Rays. Now, the two pitchers for this game, Dylan Cease, Drew Rasmussen. Now, looking at Dylan Cease, his first start this season went pretty well. I mean, at Detroit, went five innings pitched, allowed just two hits, one earned run, and eight strikeouts. The Sox got the dub in that game, five to two. Now, in 2021, he did not face the Rays last year, but at home, he had a really good stat line here. I mean, 3.18 ERA, 289 Woba, weighted on base average for his opponent, and then an XFIP right under four, 3.99. Conversely, let's look at Drew Rasmussen, the righty. This season, when four innings allowed three hits and two earned runs against Baltimore, in 2021, he also did not face the White Sox. But on the road, he was actually a really solid pitcher. 2.09 ERA, 222 Woba, and a 3.47 XFIP. So his numbers on road were really, really strong. Now, at VEASAN.com, our guy Adam Berg, VEASAN's betting analyst, always does his Berg's betting blurbs, and he does his write-ups every single day revolving around baseball. And I took a couple lines from his article because they were really important to look at if you're trying to handicap this game. And he said... A trend is emerging with the White Sox. He went on to say it's early, but they have the lowest WOBA in baseball at 249 against right-handed pitchers. Well, Drew Matt, uh, Rasmussen, excuse me, is a right-handed pitcher, guy who's pitched better on the road. We know the White Sox do tend to perform better against Southpaws, so how is that going to calculate into the performance tonight? But then he also went on to talk about Rasmussen and said, well, as a full-time starter from August 12th through the end of the regular season, over 53% of Drew Rasmussen's balls and plays that were hit, they were at least 95 miles per hour. That is incredibly hard hit. Yet somehow he carried a 198 BABIP, with, which is batting average of balls in play, and the league average is 300. So really that just shows that the Rays had tremendous defense after those balls were hit in play. And his K percentage also took a massive tumble. Adam went on to right. He only struck out 17% of opposing batters. I know that he is betting on the White Sox in this game. So you can look at it a couple ways. Is Drew Rasmussen, are his numbers really not indicative of how he's going to perform against a strong lineup in the White Sox? Or are you a little hesitant because the White Sox, well, they can't hit that strongly against righties. I lean a little bit towards Chicago here. I wanted to get their money line in the minus 120s. Right now, it's minus 132, so I'm probably not going to play it. But I do have a strong lean to the Southsiders to bounce back against this, you know, somewhat struggling race team right now. So no action in baseball tonight officially, but I will be watching those two to see how those pitchers and teams perform. Always a good idea to get a frame of reference if, as you look the handicap over this long season. Add to your sample size. But if you recall, at the beginning of the show, we did have one official prop. Aside from the ones we bet at the beginning of the week, I had Trey Young and his assist prop tonight. 11.5 is the number that's listed. The under minus 136 was the best number I snagged, and I'm going under 11.5 assists for Trey Young. He's only gotten 12 or more assists 
and 16 out of 76 games this season. He's also fallen on 11 exactly in 15 games, including the most recent one being the playing game. Now, I compared this to looking at him to record a double-double. The no was plus 190, and those odds are very intriguing because he's only recorded one double-double against the Cavaliers. But again, you could obviously get screwed in that sense if he gets 10 or 11 assists. But if you take the under 11 and a half, and I already like the no on the double-double, well, I get two more assists as added security. Yes, it's different shift in the odds by a large amount from plus 190 to minus 136. But that's because you're getting that added cushion of two more assists that he can dish out and you can still cash your bet. Also, going against Cleveland, he has yet to eclipse 11 assists. Got seven in one game, 11 in another, nine and nine in the last two. Of course, that doesn't mean that's exactly how the trend's going to go in this game. But think about this as well. This is an elimination game. Trey Young has to be the closer. He has to be the guy that's relied upon to make those big shots and to be the one taking those shots. If it's a closer game, if it's coming down to the wire, I assume Trey Young's going to be in control of the ball a lot, taking the shots and creating those opportunities himself. So I'm looking at betting, and well, I did, but Trey Young to stay under 11.5 assists. Again, I'd laid minus 136. If you don't want to lay the price and you want to go a little riskier, but with a decent payout, then consider the no on the double-double at plus 190. To be honest, obviously, I'm hoping Trey Young does have a great game in terms of his points because we are sweating out all our playing bets for hopefully a huge profit, and hopefully you are locked in on those as well. We can have ourselves a nice winning evening heading into Easter weekend. So thank you, folks, for tuning in to another edition of Rush Hour. Appreciate Jeff and Ryan hopping on and the crew here and out in Las Vegas. So best of luck with all your wagers, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy the games, and until Monday, take care.